this is my little way of giving back to the profession that I love so much is to try and help newer veterinarians love the profession that they wanted to be in for many of them from the time they were really little. And so, no, I mean, that's a, a huge part of my, my goal. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the veterinary marketing podcast from Whisker Cloud. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Danny Rabwin of Ready Vet Go on. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me on. It's always funny when we do these intros because like you and I have been talking about how you are and how I am for like five minutes. And then I'm like, <laughs> how are you? But I already know the answer. I've also been given so much feedback about not dating the podcast, just from friends who also do podcasts. But interestingly enough, you and I are doing this on December 23rd at 8.40 a.m. What is it? Two days before Christmas, before the holiday. Mm -hmm. You're traveling, not far. You're traveling an hour. We did. I asked all of our employees yesterday, is anyone getting on a plane? We had one going from Florida to Maryland, which I didn't think was crazy. But anyone traveling in the world right now? Just, I'm wishing you nothing but luck, especially with all the crazy weather out there. It sounds really bad. I feel very pleased with my decision to stay close and just go to beautiful Marin in California, which is a short drive from my house. Yeah, we were just talking about that. That is like just a beautiful area with really good oysters. If anyone out there, there's also a show. There's a show on Netflix called The Chef Show with Jon Favreau. Um, and he's got like a collection of chefs on there. And they do an episode up in that area with like oysters and grilling vegetables. And I don't know, I think about that episode a lot. It was like, it made me want to just literally move up there, eat sourdough, grill vegetables and eat oysters all day for the rest of my life. Oh, I might not come home. <laughs> that sounds like my dream too. <laughs> well, I want to introduce the world to you. So, you know, I ask everyone their veterinary origin story, origin stories for everyone out there who's not familiar with this podcast or superhero culture. Look, I love Marvel. I've loved it my whole life. You know, we all have origin stories, how we got to this point. I have an origin story for how I got to veterinary medicine. So, you know, whether you're the Hulk, whom I love, and you know, and and a gamma radiation bomb hits you, and you become the Hulk, I'm always curious. How did you find your way into veterinary medicine? My my Hulk story. <laughs> I always loved animals as a kid, so I think that was sort of my intro. But I really I loved our family veterinarian, and I loved that he was almost like a part of our family. And, you know, as I look back on my career after almost 20 years, I find that the thing that really drew me into veterinary medicine was the relationships that I had with people. And it's still the thing that I love the most today. Um, so I think what sealed the deal for me was when we had a pet, his name was Sam and I adored him. He was our family dog and he was euthanized and I did not go in with my dad when he took him in. Unfortunately, my dad always had that role in our family. <laughs> when it was time for the pets to be put down, my dad was the person to take the pets in. And so I didn't go, but our family veterinarian really knew that I wanted to be a vet when I grew up. And he called that night, we were having family dinner and we were all around the table and he asked to talk to me on the phone. And I just remember this feeling of like being 
seen as an important member of Sam's family and the veterinarian kind of recognizing me and my my role in that relationship. And so, well, I've thought about it and I can't remember exactly what he said to me. I just remember this wonderful feeling that I got from this connection with the veterinarian. And I loved that. And I feel like that was a spark for me. And that was something that really pushed me into the profession. And it's those relationships that I have with, with people. I use animals as a way to connect with families. Okay. That is, I, I'll be honest. I, you know, I think we're 50, 40 something podcast episodes. And I think that's the first time I've ever heard a story like that Aww. on this podcast. That's seriously, like, I don't think I've, I don't recall a time where anyone's ever said their relationship with their vet like hit them like that. So that's really, really interesting because, well, oh man, here we go. I'm always like, I just so everyone out there knows, like I try not to say inflammatory things, but I think also <laughs> like the things I say come off bad at times, but I, it's like, I don't think that most veterinarians have what you just said anymore. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't think you're wrong. And I think it's why I've found myself after almost 20 years in this profession transitioning into, you know, what I'm sure we'll talk about more with my mentorship business, but it's because I do have this really, what I consider to be kind of a unique position where I have a lot of experience of being a veterinarian and also have a really deep joy with the connections that I get with people I think what draws a lot of people into veterinary medicine is their love for animals, which is amazing. And we need that. But we can't forget that, you know, like we say, these animals are attached to a person by a leash or a cat carrier. Um, and so that's a really, really important part of this profession is interacting with people. And when I hear young people say, I want to be a veterinarian because I don't like people, I'm like, hold on, put on the brakes. We need to have a conversation. This is a people profession and the animals are who we are helping, but we're also really helping families. So I think there are other people out there like me. They're just not as, as vocal and also not as common. Well, I'm with you. I did. It's funny too. When I tell people what I do, it's, it's so interesting, whether I'm meeting like friends of my in-laws or just people who are like, oh, hey, what do you do for work? I'm like, well, I, uh, you know, I started a company back in 2016. It's software for veterinarians and veterinary professionals and yada, yada. And they're always like, man, you never really hear rain. You know, no one ever thinks about like there's vendors that work with veterinarians and they're always like, what's it like to work with them? And I say the same thing every time, I'm like they're weird. And <laughs> I said, you know, they, they go into this profession because they have always told me that they don't want to work with people. They're not people, people. They want to work with animals. But I literally, it's so funny what you just said, because I echo that all the time. I'm like, they always talk about how they're not good with people. And I don't think any one of them have ever been taught or realized that like, if they, if they're not good with people, then it's going to be a problem. And, you know, when you start hearing about high turnover and you start hearing about chaos and clinics, it goes back to the, they're not good with people. I can't tell you how many times Seriously, how many times in the last seven years I have had to say these words? You are not just a vet, you're a business owner. And if you keep calling yourself a vet, I would sell or leave your practice immediately because you're not that. I'm not a coder. I'm not a marketer. 
I am the CEO of Whisker Cloud. It is a big difference. And, and I have to find a way to balance that all the time. And by the way, it's very hard to balance it. Just so everyone out there knows, I don't think I'm particularly great with people. I think when people talk to me, they're like, you know, okay, cool. He ca- Like I care, I'm honest, but I'm also, you know, I'm also very direct. I'm also very blunt. And I also just like, like when things are streamlined. So, but I also have to have times when I have to, pull that back a little bit and be like a compassionate person, even though it's maybe not my first nature to be that. Yeah. And I think we need all those different perspectives like you and other people who aren't veterinarians, but are working with our profession. And hopefully they are good students when you're educating them about the things that you're an expert in. Because I think (laughs) if anything, we veterinarians are, we're studious. We are good students. Hopefully we're good learners and hopefully they're listening to you. You know, I always want people to trust me as the expert and you bring your expertise when you're going to help with these veterinarians who are also business people. But we don't, we don't go into veterinary medicine because we want to be business owners. That's not what draws most of us into this profession. So we need, we need help from the outside. The communication piece, like you were saying, the veterinarians that you work with, communication isn't always their strong suit. And I think, you know, it's one of the things that has helped me really still love this profession because I really love the communication part. And as I transition into my mentorship business with Ready Vet Go, I've been given feedback that one of the big values that my mentees get for me is communications coaching. And I didn't go into this thinking I was going to be a coach of any kind. You know, I thought I have a lot of experience as a vet and I really love teaching and working with new grads, but communications coaching is something that's really, really needed. So I agree. And, you know, I, I always send people some questions and two of the questions are what's your favorite thing about vet med and what's your least favorite thing. So I think those two topics are the perfect way for us to transition into what you're doing now. So you had said your favorite thing about vet med has changed over the years, but your current thing is the variety of options you have. Um, You know, when you have that uh, veterinary degree, so you were in the clinic for 20 years, saw patients. Now you're an entrepreneur, speaker, writer. So I think that's a real big trend is not wanting to be in practice anymore. And what's interesting about Whisker Cloud that I have never publicly said on this podcast one time, and I'm not going to go too deep into it. It's out there. But earlier this year, Whisker Cloud was part of a big merger with multiple other companies in veterinary medicine that was really exciting. And I think even for me, now that I'm on a much larger leadership team and you know, we went from a company just at Whisker Cloud that had like 30 people to now having nearly 50, but really as a collective now we have almost 300. My role has changed. So I don't always think it's crazy when, you know, I see that like someone was working directly with patients for 20 years and doesn't want to do that anymore. Listen, I also, there's days where I love every person on my team, but there's also days where I'm like, I just want to work on high level stuff and not talk to a single employee and just like rock stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you, <laughs> one of them is going to get, I'm going to get like a Slack message. About that. <laughs> like, you, you don't like talking to me at 8 a.m.? <laughs> so it seems like everyone's wanting to do that. I mean, it, but if there's a veterinary shortage, And also everyone's like, well, that kind of sucks sometimes. I want to get out of it. Like, what is the future of vet med for people that are getting these degrees? Yeah, it's a really good question. And by no means am I encouraging anyone to leave the clinic. 
part of what I'm doing is trying to help clinics retain their new associates. You know, my mission, one of my missions as the founder of Ready Vet Go is to help keep veterinarians doing what drew them to the profession in the first place. People who want to go into veterinary medicine generally want to see patients. And it's the current unfortunate state of our profession that is driving people away. And so while that's opening doors and providing opportunities that we might not have previously considered, like me moving into this new role, we have to come up with ways to keep vets in the profession. And so this is my little way of giving back to the profession that I love so much is to try and help newer veterinarians love the profession that they wanted to be in for many of them from the time they were really little. And so, no, I mean, that's a a huge part of my my goal is to help keep vets doing what drew them into the profession in the first place. I don't know if that answers your question. I mean, you know, when you had asked me the question of like, what is the most interesting thing about veterinary medicine? And I said, it's the wide range of opportunities. And I'm taking advantage of that right now by starting Ready Vet Go and my mentorship business. We still have to keep vets in practice. And there's so many amazing groups that are popping up to try and help solve that problem. And it's really inspiring. And it can feel like a real downer sometimes right now because there is a lot of negativity and a lot of talk of burnout, but there's also some really amazing things that are happening. And that's been one of the real joys for me, branching out from the clinic walls and becoming an entrepreneur is seeing what is happening outside of the clinic walls that has a direct benefit on the veterinarians who are working every single day. It's been really inspiring. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just like, I, I, I always wonder what percentage of people that work you know, in the clinic, it's like, I'm trying to think of the words here. It's like, what percentage of them are sort of like, I'm, I'm over this, I'm done. And I know that's a lot, but I also like mean like, how many people are just like, sort of like what you said, just like, I am out for the long term here. I've done my time in clinic and I'm ready for the next stage. Yeah. I hope it's not that many. We we need vets. And it's just so sad to me to see people who have worked so hard. Getting into vet school is really, really hard. Finishing vet school is really, really hard. And so the people who do that and find themselves with their DVM degree that they've wanted for so long to only then go into practice and feel like they don't want to stay there anymore is so heartbreaking. Most of the veterinarians that I work with are really excited to be in practice and just need support to make sure that they stay there. I mean, we need to work to make sure that we are providing support to veterinarians to make sure that they stay in practice. I was going to say, do you think that like just rough interactions with clients is just the hardest part of the job period? Yeah. Especially now, I think rough interactions with clients, you know, bad behavior is really commonplace now and people feel that they can say things that really are not (laughs) appropriate. And so that can be really, really exhausting. And I think the pandemic really heightened that. I think a lot of people got used to curbside 
communication. And I think not having people directly in front of them allowed people to say things that they would potentially not say if they were directly in front of them. And then that's just sort of continued, even though the clinics are open now and people are back in practice. But that is absolutely one of the hardest things. And then thinking about how that negative client interaction could potentially translate into some online bullying or a negative review adds a whole other element that just wasn't there when I graduated almost 20 years ago. That just adds to the stress. Don't get me started. Everyone here has heard me talk about it on this podcast, but I've had screaming matches with teams at Google, teams at Yelp, like screaming matches with them over reviews. That you want taken down? Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, WhiskerCloud, we manage 500 reviews a day at least for all of our customers. And, you know, we work hard to get them taken down, but realistically, there's no guidelines. I mean, if I, if I truly was bored and I had a VPN, I could go destroy any business on earth and there's really nothing to stop you. And that's, and that's frustrating to me. I like sites like G2 and Captera because they make you provide an invoice and they make you provide a screenshot of you logged into the, you know, of the software. So if you want to go leave some sort of review about this software, you have to really prove that you're a paying user of it. But yeah, I mean, you call, you call the vet and, you know, they put you on hold for four minutes and you feel slighted. You could go destroy them. And there's yes. really, I mean, I, and I hate to say that it's like, those are one of those, like, I feel like I'm part of like the Illuminati, like I'm in the know and I like shouldn't share the knowledge. I'm like the government and there's like a meteor coming to earth. And I'm like, well, if you tell people it'll be chaos, but it's, it's really true. I've told this story before on this podcast. I'll just summarize it briefly, but my wife was in the car and I was on the phone with someone high up at Google. And I was like, I really lost my coin. Talk about me loving the Hulk. And I was like, you're telling me, I'm like, I'm driving down PCH in Newport Beach right now. I'm driving by a car wash. I don't like their sign. It's old and ugly. Can I leave them a one-star review? I've never, I've never used them. He's like, well, yeah, but please don't. Like, I'm like, oh, please don't. You think please don't's going to stop all the psychos on this planet? There's no please don'ts. I said, what's going to stop me from going to make five emails? What's going to go stopping me from going to my group text with my eight best friends and saying, hey, I need you all. I this these people slighted me. I'll tell you more later. Can we all leave them a one star review? Like nothing's stopping me from saying they killed my dog at the yep. vet. They they chipped my car at the car wash. Yep. Anyway, I won't take us down a rabbit hole on that because I could rant for hours on that. But I you talked you- about oh yeah, try, well, I rant about everything. Come on, this is <laughs> Adam Green. This is Adam Greenbaum at Whisker Club. But you you <laughs> the said the least show. favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would like that title. <laughs> I'll be a guest on that one. Yeah. Your least favorite thing about vet med is the current negativity, high turnover and burnout. So let's talk about that for a second. I've been in vet med going back to like 2015 and, and everyone's, everyone does nothing but talk about the current negativity, high turnover and burnout. That's all anyone's talked about for seven years. And, and Danny, no one, no one on earth Nothing's changed in seven years. So Mm. maybe we talk about this and we talk about like the mentorship that you're going to be providing and the stuff you're doing now and the stuff that you're going to be doing in the future, because, you know, talk is cheap, but that's what vet med is. Vet med is talk, talk, talk. So what happens next? Mm. It's such a good question. (laughs) And it just makes me sad to hear you say that you came into this field in 2015 and you've just been hearing the same thing. It, it, it wasn't always like that. I swear. 
<laughs> we, there was so much more positivity and people were really happy to be in the profession and we're encouraging the next generation of people to join the profession. And it's just heartbreaking now to hear people discouraging the next generation from joining the veterinary profession. And so what happens next? Well, some of these really amazing things that I'm seeing happening outside of the clinic walls, like groups that are there to support veterinarians and empower them. And, you know, I'm thinking of like, not one more vet is, you know, doing their part with well-being. And we have a lot of really unique approaches to helping the profession. So like my friend Cindy Trice with Relief Rover is really trying to spread the word that relief veterinarians can be an important part of helping practices take breaks and get the breaks they need. So there's all these really unique ways that people are trying to help the profession. My unique way is through mentorship. Mentorship is a really hot word right now. A lot of people throw the word mentorship around and don't really have much to back it. But Ready Vet Go is a formal six-month mentorship program that's really designed to help practices retain their new grad associates. You know, I think a lot of practices when they put their jobs job ads out will say, new grads welcome, mentorship provided. And that's all well and good. And I think they genuinely mean it. I think most experienced veterinarians received some form of mentorship, hopefully, when they were starting out. And so when these practices advertise that they will provide mentorship, I think they really do mean it. And then I think reality sets in and we're just too busy. And then these new grads find themselves at a place where they were promised mentorship and then they're not receiving it. And practices do not really think about the possibility of outsourcing mentorship. And that's what I'm trying to let people know is that a large part of the difficult aspects of mentorship can be outsourced and we can do it remotely. We can do it well. And that's why I created Ready Vet Go is so I could help unload some of that burden on practices so that they can still hang on to their new grad associates. Okay. So you said something there. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, you said something like, you know, they don't know that they can outsource it. Um, so like, let me ask some direct questions because I want the people listening who are on the fence about mentorship, outsourcing mentorship and things like that. I think you and I should just take off the safety and have some fun for a second here. Let's do it. Well, also, I just said take off the safety and have some fun. That sounded weird, by the way, because like I don't have a I don't like not a gun person. So if that came off weird to anyone out there, that came off weird to me. I'm not even going to edit that out. But anyway, <laughs> let's take off our seatbelt. I wasn't even thinking that. I just yeah, you know, I know. I'm not even. A, I'm so much not a gun person that. Didn't <laughs> <even>. <laughs> yeah, same here. That got weird. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, we'll take off the barriers. So. Okay, so you said like people are afraid to outsource it, but like let's be let's let me just ask you honest questions. So how many people like feel like they need a mentor and but are just like I don't want to say too lazy because too lazy is not the exact term, but I'm just gonna say it like doesn't have the drive to just go get it done, go find you, tell you their problems, and like start listening to what you have to say to them. Like, is that the, what's the biggest barrier between someone saying like, I cannot figure this shit out and like getting, getting to you and getting going, what stops them in their tracks? Well, it's not the new grads. 
Is that what you're referring to? Like what would stop a new veterinarian from seeking out mentorship or asking those questions? Well, I think it's both. I mean, I think it's A, it's the new grads wanting to do it, or it's the, you know, the practice owners that feel like, you know, they need help and they need help to, you know, build a good culture to keep people around, but maybe just don't take the steps to go do it. Oh yeah. I think practices have such a wide variety of reasons that they don't seek this out. One is I think they believe that if they are able to hire a new veterinarian, that they can handle all of the mentorship requirements. And they don't really realize that they can't until they're faced with that new veterinarian who isn't getting all of the support they need. I think finances are a component. I think people have a hard time sometimes looking at what the return on the investment could be and don't really look at the big picture. And, you know, I consider it a pretty small investment compared to the return that they're going to get by being able to retain their associates. The cost of losing an associate is so high. You know, if an associate is bringing in $500,000 a year or in some places a million dollars a year and the practice loses that associate, they're, you know, down $50,000, $100,000 a month in production from that one associate. And, you know, the cost of recruiting is so high we're seeing exorbitant sign-on bonuses right now. So just to be competitive, to recruit an associate is just so, so hard. And so, you know, I think not looking at the big picture, what the return on the investment is, um, could potentially be a holdup. I think some practices have had experience with new veterinarians that require a lot of time and resources to onboard them. So they're not even considering bringing on a new grad. And so if they're not even thinking of bringing a new grad, they're not even thinking about the mentorship component. So, you know, I'll talk to veterinarians and I'll say, you know, do you need support for your new graduate associates? And they'll say, oh, I would never hire a new grad. They're just so time intensive. And then I will be able to let them know that, you can both bring on a new grad and outsource the mentorship and have somebody help you so that it can be this long lasting relationship. So I think thinking outside of the box, because it's not something that has been a part of veterinary medicine really up until now, this idea of outsourcing mentorship. So, you know, being more narrowly focused, I think is a a barrier as well. Yeah. I mean, I just imagine that, I mean, they're hectic. I was telling you before we jumped on, I don't mind saying this. It's like, I, I think my employees. I think we were really taken aback at the last 48 hours. You know, we, we've been sending emails for months about, Hey, let us know your holiday hours. Let us know this. They'll say the story I told you before we started recording. I think, I think we had one clinic for sure, but I heard more. I saw more messages in Slack that had changed their holiday hours probably two or three times between, you know, today's Friday before Christmas, I think between like Wednesday and yesterday afternoon, it was like multiple changes. Hey, we're going to be closed on, you know, just on Monday. Hey, now we're actually closed or, you know, Sunday, Monday. Now we're going to be closing for half a day on Saturday. All right. Now we're actually going to be closed the full day on Saturday. (laughs) And, you know, yesterday it was like, we're also going to do a half day on Friday. But I mean, these were like separate thoughts, separate emails with time in between. And I was, I was thinking about it like, okay, what do we think happened there? Were they like, (laughs) 
okay, we're definitely giving everyone Sunday, Monday off. And then there were groans about Christmas Eve. And they're like, okay, fine. We will give you a half day off. And then there were groans. And they were like, you know what? No, the full day. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, actually half day Friday. Like, how do you communicate that with customers who were originally told, you know, by Whisker Cloud through social media posts, you know, on your website, on Google, on Yelp, yada, yada. And then it keeps changing like that would give me pause about the business or what if I work there and I'm trying to like figure out my life with my family. Now, obviously it worked out for all the employees because they're like, hey, we had two days off. Now we have three and a half. But I guess my point being like something is even as simple as that feels like that clinic needs help and needs mentorship, not in a bad way. And if that particular clinic, if you're listening to this, number one, I'm not going to mention you by name. Number two, <laughs> I don't mind that you emailed us at all. Like that's literally what our team is here to do. So don't feel bad about emailing us. That's what we do all day. But number three, think about it from your employee side. Think about it from your customer side. I wouldn't even worry about the whisker cloud side. Although we did think it was weird. I thought it was weird. Maybe the people doing it didn't think anything of it, but like to me, that shows me like if that's really hard, I imagine there's a lot more rough things happening at the clinic. I just I don't think that there's, you know, a Fortune 500 company, a Fortune 5000 company out there that is like figuring out their holiday schedule on the fly, you know, 48 hours before to actually in, in some cases like in terms of the last email I sent, we're talking 12 days before or 12 hours before. So, you know, yeah, I mean, where does that go? Right. It makes you wonder like if that piece which could have been planned so far in advance is having that much inefficiency. What other inefficiencies are happening in the clinic? And it just sounds like there's a lot of panic and a lot of changing happening at the last minute and lack of foresight and something that was put off and off and off that could have been dealt with in advance. And so, yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder like if, if that piece is happening, what else is happening behind the scenes that's leading to inefficiencies and mentorship can help with that so much. It makes me think of this request that I had. You know, I, I had my first, when I finished my first six month cohort of new veterinarians, I put out a survey and I asked them, you know, what went well and what would like they like to see different. And we talk in the program a lot about the non medical things that are dealt with on a day-to-day -day basis. So the things that really aren't dealt with in veterinary school. So, you know, client communication, a lot of client communication, time management, how to be efficient. And so, you know, your story makes me think of efficiencies. And one request that I received from multiple new veterinarians was they wanted to see live videos of efficient exam room visits so they could see what efficient veterinarians did to get in and out of the exam room in a timely manner. Because while they know the medicine and they know how to do their physical exam and do all of the components of the exam room visit, doing it in an efficient manner is really, really challenging. And so fortunately, I was working at a practice that was very supportive of me collecting videos. So now on my learning platform online, there's a whole video library of me in exam rooms in all kinds of visits showing efficiencies, some inefficiencies. Um, and I allow the participants in the mentorship program to view and critique these and to really hone in on the things that make for a very efficient visit. And so, you know, it just makes me think of that when I hear about 
the clinic that at the very last minute is scrambling to tell you their holiday hours and changing them three times in 24 hours. No, I mean, even, and again, I just hope everyone knows. I, I like to share this data because I think this data is interesting. So this isn't to like shame our customers because our customers are awesome. But I like make bets with people on our team. I'm like, how many emails do you think we'll get on Thanksgiving Day to update hours on websites? And I'm like, I'll bet you it's more than 15. And every year it's way more than 15. Like, and then if, if it doesn't get answered, oh my God, we catch so much hell for it. And I've always just thought to myself, like, kiss my ass. If I called you on Christmas Day and I'm like, oh, I need Apoquel, please, we need Apoquel. And like, I didn't hear back. I would not blow you up with hateful emails and voicemails because no one responded to me on Christmas. So, but like, I think that's also, it's just, again, if you're, if you're in a position of doing that, you probably need help. You probably need a mentor who's just going to tell you, you know, like, hey, I mean, well, let me ask you this. So like when you kick off with someone new, is it typically in groups or is it more one-on-one? No, we're in groups. Everybody starts with a cohort. So we have up to 12 new veterinarians that work together at the same time. So there's a quote I love that I'll share now. And again, this person has was up and down as a character, but I use this. I, this is pretty much how I think of myself as a leader. So this is from Steve jobs, creator of Apple. He said, my job is not to be easy on people. My job is to take these great people we have and push them and make them even better. And just so everyone out there knows I'm not easy on people at whisker cloud. I'm not ever. I'm just not, I'm not a soft person. I hire people that I really see something in this week. We promoted two people. Lauren Anderson, who's been with me since the beginning, was promoted to be our vice president of customer experience. Javi Diaz, who's been with me for going on three years now, was was promoted to our vice president of technology. These are people that are going to be incredibly successful in life and at home. They're going to make more money than 99.9% of people ever will. And it's because they sort of embody this, like they want to have a good life. They want to have a good career. Not every day is going to be easy. And I'm just not one to just, I just don't think as, as a guy who married a Disney adult and is at Disney all the time, you know, I just, I also think there just needs to be a lot of, there just needs to be a lot of more uh, reality in veterinary medicine and, and at Whisker Cloud and at every company. So, you know, I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. Sorry, but I guess my question for you, how I was going to circle this back is it's like, are you easy on them or are you, or are you telling them like, listen, your business isn't running great right now, or you're missing your revenue goals, or you're having issues with, you know, pissed off customers, you need to, you need to figure it out. Like, where do you, where do you come from there? Well, my role really is more to support the new veterinarians. And I would not say that I'm hard on them. I do tend to be more of a softer person and I consider myself more of a guide for them. I feel like New veterinarians will have a better chance of long-term success in this profession if they are allowed to really embrace the art of veterinary medicine. I do not think that there is a cookie-cutter way to practice veterinary medicine. So I balance two places when I'm working with new grads because a huge part of my mission and my goal is to help practices retain their associates. 
So I really need to embrace that practice's unique culture. I'm not there to change their culture. I'm not working directly with their practice management, but I do have to be very respectful of their practice culture and also work with their new associates to help them fit in with that practice culture, but also to become a veterinarian that feels authentic to who they are and to help them really tap into what is inside of them, their own experience, their own what I refer to as their big why did they go into veterinary medicine um, to help them really connect with their clients and to become an integral part of their practice. So I wouldn't say that I'm hard on them and I'm certainly not there to change any type of practice culture, but when I am brought on by a practice to help them onboard, mentor, and retain a new grad associate, I will point out if there are inefficiencies in the practice that might make it so that that associate might not want to stay there. But I I do it from a place of really, a place of curiosity. I ask a lot of questions. I want to understand why a practice is running the way it's going, why they're doing things the way that they're doing it, and really help them evolve in a kind way, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And that's good. And also that made me seem like way scarier. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You are the CEO of a big fancy corporation. So probably <laughs> <laughs> your, your personality traits are suited for that. I need to See, everyone- on some of that. Everyone out there listening, see, I'm supposed to be this way. Um, That's so funny. Well, and I'll tell you, like I was reading, I was reading some of your reviews on your website, you know, and people said you would help them fine tune their communication and hear other clinicians experiences, which I, you know, hearing that you're in the cohort, I think that's really cool. I think for me, it's always been tough because I, so I was a mentor for entrepreneurs back in Denver as part of the uh, Denver Founders Group. And I think it was tough. I remember, I distinctly remember doing a call with someone who had an idea for an, uh, like a music app and and he was explaining it to me. And I said, well, how do you monetize it? He was like, well, who cares? I'm like, well, dude, you can't do this. If, if you're going to quit your job and start this, you have to figure out, you don't have to monetize it day one, but you're going to have to monetize it. It can't just be like a, hey, you know, create lists of the songs you like. Like you have to, have, like, what is the purpose of the app? I can just do that in the Apple Notes app. So I think I was always just a, a mentor that just wanted people to not have to waste their time. But again, if you read the reviews on your website, it's like, you know, people say things like, I'm a better doctor today because of her. She has a cheerful attitude and has helped me with the transition from new grad to competent associate. You know, through our sessions, I've grown so much as a doctor and gained confidence in my ability to work up cases. I mean, that's really cool. When you when you get those reviews, how does it make you feel? Oh, it makes me feel so good. And it makes me feel really good to hear you read those. <laughs> One of the words that jumped out was was confidence. And that's so much of what I do. I think there's a lot of fear when veterinarians leave school and go into practice. And so much of what I do is just to be a cheerleader and to remind them, like, you have got this. You know this stuff. You've been working really, really hard in school and all of the information is in there. Now you just have to translate all of that information into working with families and pet parents and coming up with appropriate outcomes that feel good to everybody. And so the the cheerleader and the confidence 
piece is so much of what I do. But it does make me feel so good to get those reviews and to hear you read them. I don't do it for that, but it certainly feels good to know that that is an outcome of what I'm doing. I just, I love this veterinary profession so much. And I really want to help new grads start off on the right foot so that they also love it. And so they don't have to experience so much of the burnout that other veterinarians have had to go through. And I think if they, if they start off feeling more confident as a doctor and feeling like they're an important part of the practice that they're a part of, I think there's just going to be so many more positive outcomes. And if I can be a part of that, I think that's really special. So for, I don't, I don't know if you know anything about Marvel. I don't know how much, like what percentage of our listeners, probably like 5% know anything about Marvel, but let's say there's the Sorcerer Supreme in the Marvel world, Dr. Stephen Strange. Let's say you can, you can cast a spell on all of vet med and give them one trait that they're missing. What is that one trait? Just like, just like a blanket trait that you feel this, you know, whether they're new grad seasoned vet, like what is it, you know, what is the one trait that you feel like they just, this industry needs more of right now? Oh gosh. Well, first I was just thinking how little I know about Marvel and how my 16 year old son is going to be so disappointed in me for admitting that. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are so many things that I could say, but the one thing that I will say that comes up in so many of my mentee meetings is curiosity. I think if we could be curious about people and where they are coming from, we will have such a better understanding of why they're making the choices that they're making. And I just think it will allow this deeper level of connection and understanding that will really benefit the profession. I think we can use that curiosity piece in the clinic with our coworkers. And then as veterinarians, we can use it with pet owners and you know pet parents to really, really connect with them. And I think that will just lead to so many more positive outcomes. So curiosity is my, my one word answer to your very difficult Marvel (laughs) superpower question. No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of with you on that because like, this is a good example. When I talk about curiosity, just from the marketing website perspective, listen, I, I personally, as the CEO of Whisker Cloud, I get Honestly, I can't even put a number on this. I would say no less than 30 to 40 spam emails a day that are like, we could take your business to the next level. Use this product. And they're always from like these wacky emails that are from like hotmail.com. It's like, you know, we'll get emails literally to me. That's like, your website is down. Call this number right now and we can help. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many people have come to us and like emailed been like, I got this email that my website's down. What the hell is going on over there? And we're like, oh, little kitty XXX. 34 at yahoo.com emailed you that your website was down and you didn't, you didn't say anything weird about that. So when, when you talk about curiosity, I like that because, you know, for me, I, I try to learn every day I've built out in my, like just for myself, I have this like weird collection of websites and social media feeds and just like spots on the internet where I like to learn from. 
and podcasts I listen to, Reddit threads I check on, influencers I follow on Twitter, people on LinkedIn that I follow. And, and I've set up lists. So anytime any of anything new goes to any of those things, I get an alert and I read it. And I'm constantly trying to learn about everything. Even at Whisker Cloud, we have 25 web designers who are all every single one are 10 times more talented than me. But I also spend so much time learning that when there's like a tech issue, I'm oftentimes the first one to figure it out just because I'm always trying to learn and craft, you know, learn about their craft. So I'm with you. You know, if I'm, you know, if I think if I'm a vet and I'm good at talking to customers, I want to learn about the business side of things. Or if I'm great with the business side of things, but I'm bad at talking to customers, or maybe I'm bad at business, bad at talking to customers, but are you just a really, really technically sound veterinarian? I need to work on the other parts of it. So I'm with you on curiosity. That's a great answer. Yeah. And it will, it makes me want to know where one can access your lists. This seems like something that you should put out on like a blog for all of us to learn from you. Like the Whisker Cloud CEO's top podcast to listen to <laughs> <laughs> and Reddit threads. And <laughs> well, you know, what's we funny about know. that. It's like, I mean, even on Reddit, it's so interesting. I just like to learn even outside of stuff. So some of like the, some of the pages on Reddit that I follow that I like to learn from every day are, I'm looking right now. There's one called, uh, let's see here. There's one called data is beautiful because like they post Mm. data of just like crazy stuff, but they always make it look good. But I'm always like, wow, I did not know that candy canes were that popular this time of year, (laughs) but it's like always interesting just the way they do it. But I go through here, even like there's, there's one called ask Reddit and they just ask people like questions. I mean, just like, crazy questions, but they always get 20,000 responses. And I like to just go read them. It's like, I'm reading this one. It's like, what is something that shouldn't be socially acceptable, but is, and you know, I just like to read what is like, what are people saying? The first answer on that is worshiping famous people. I kind of agree with that glorifying Mm -hmm. politics and politicians. I certainly agree with that, but I like to just read what people are saying. And then, you know, for me, there's just people on Twitter. I mean, I've got 150,000 social media followers myself, and I try to put somewhat insightful things out there. But also, there's there's this woman I follow named Cody Sanchez that just posts amazing stuff about like owning laundromats and owning vending machine businesses. And I'm like fascinated yeah. by by like how much money she makes and like how she staffs these, like she owns a vending machine business that makes six figures. I'm thinking like, how easy is that? Once you get the logistics down of how Cokes get delivered to these things and it's, it kind of like runs itself. And like, I've been, you know, reading about how easy it is to own laundromats. There's like a hilarious story that I don't have the time to share in this podcast, but my father-in-law dies. I'd never been to a laundromat in my life ever. I grew up in Vegas where everything's kind of new moved to Denver. And when my wife and I first moved out here, we moved to downtown Long Beach and we got this beautiful apartment townhome thing that was built in 1920. It didn't have a washer dryer. First time in my life living somewhere without a washer dryer. And my wife took me to a laundromat in downtown Long Beach. I'd never been to one. And I was like floored by it. And I was like, so confused and I was like, we have to go. I'm very uncomfortable. And anyway, like I tell that story. And, and then I read this woman's awesome like story about buying and owning like multiple laundromats. And now I'm like fascinated by laundromats, even though my first experience with them really freaked me out. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on curiosity. I'm laundromat experience. I feel like everybody should have to have a laundromat experience. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I was freaked out because, you know, downtown Long Beach is, it is what it is. But, you know, I walk in, there's, I mean, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of homeless people inside. There were people yelling at each other. You know, people were like moving wet clothes from one basket to the next. It just seemed like such chaos. And I'm thinking like, man, you know, when we do laundry at home, that was my only time in my life I've ever not had a washer dryer. So we were renting a place there. We ended up now we we bought a home in Newport Beach. So now we live here. And yes, there's a washer dryer here. But yeah, it was just it was so crazy to me because I like my first thought was like, hey, isn't everything going to get stolen? I mean, that just was like my number one thing. Like there's a lot of people. No one's paying attention. Some people would just like put their stuff in and leave. I'm like, uh, what would stop anyone from stealing your shit? So anyway, but you know, that, that took me down a rabbit hole to like, want to learn more about the business side of it. Now I found out they're one of the most profitable businesses on earth is a laundromat. So, Mm -hmm. so anyway, enough about my ranting about stuff, but yeah, like I'm with you wanting veterinarians to just learn and expand their mind. And maybe there's something to like, this is a good example. I don't, and I'm curious if this ever comes up in your sessions. I see businesses and I think, wow, that's really interesting. Like, how can I incorporate that into Whisker Cloud? Even the, even like the laundromat model. I remember like thinking I had like a million thoughts that day. I drive my wife crazy as everyone here can imagine. And I remember just thinking like, what can I take away from this laundromat experience that these businesses are uber profitable. And I was in there and it felt like chaos. Cause I don't like chaos at Whisker Cloud. I'm very anti-chaos, even though it happens. Does that ever come up in your sessions? Just sort of like wanting to look out outside of VetMed for inspiration on how to run their business? That's a really good question. And I wish I had a good answer for you, like an anecdote or a story, but I have to be totally honest and say that I'm having trouble thinking of something. I think people's daily interactions that happen outside of VetMed are always relevant and we don't just operate as veterinarians when we're at work, you know, our outside lives definitely influence what we do on a day-to-day basis inside. As far as like running the business, I can't think of any like specific example, but I think just in general, like the culture that people come from and their experiences at home and outside of the clinic walls, a hundred percent influence how they make decisions when they are at work. And that kind of goes back to the curiosity piece. I mean, we don't know what's going on for people outside of work, what kind of lives they're leading, what their experiences are, what their background is. And all of that is just so important when trying to navigate relationships between coworkers and with clients. And so, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that is, it's something that definitely comes up, even though I wish I had a perfect good little anecdote for you. No, I, I think that's great. And yeah, I mean, this is all going to evolve over time. And I think vet meds going to evolve over time. This is like my final question for you. And I want to talk about how people can work with you. But, you know, are you worried? Because I'm worried. I'm just going to say this out loud. I'm worried about the future of vet med. I'm worried about the future of the independent practice. And I'm worried that there there's too much comfort right now. Do you do you feel that or am I am I just nuts? I am also worried about the future of the independent practice. I have seen over the last 20 years a real shift in the corporatization of veterinary practice. There's there's a lot of money in the veterinary field and a lot of people are are coming in and trying to be a part of that. And unfortunately, a lot of independent practices are having trouble competing 
but I don't get the feeling that it's totally sustainable. And I feel like things will change. And I think there's a lot of innovative companies out there that are trying to help fill that little niche because eventually people are, if they're not happy with the loss of these private practices, they're going to leave and come up with interesting and innovative ways to bring the private practice back. And it might be a different model than what we were used to, like when I started or what you know we saw 30 or 40 years ago with the, the private practices, um, the independently owned practices. It might be something completely new and innovative, but I think a lot of the changes are pushing people to come up with those unique ideas. And that's been one thing that's been really interesting about starting my own business with Ready Vet Go after being in the clinic for 20 years is seeing all of the innovation that is happening. And so while I think sometimes it can be a little bit uh, depressing, I don't have loss of hope. I think that there are really good people that want to move this profession in a positive direction. And I really feel like it'll happen. It might be slow. I think change is going to be slow. Like you said earlier, you know, you've been hearing the same things for, for years, but I, I just feel like there are so many people trying to do good things to move the profession forward that it's, it's going to happen. I don't have a loss of hope for this profession, but I tend to be very optimistic in general, (laughs) which has served me well. And I feel that way about my profession that I love. I love that. So final stuff here for everyone out there listening who who has enjoyed this and said, okay, I need to go learn about more about Ready Vet Go. And I need to learn more about Danny. You know, how do you want them to find you? And by the time this goes live, I know our team's working. I saw I saw two of the new pages yesterday. Our team's building out like a ton of new stuff for you, like a literal insane amount of stuff. Ooh, I'm so which excited. is I, I know like literally the size of your website is about to double. So by the time people uh <laughs> hear this, just know that you know the site was half the size before you heard this. Uh, but you know, how can people find you? Obviously, it's readyvetgo.co.co and you know, social media, if you want to talk about all that, just to make sure everyone knows where to find you. Yes, please. Yes. You will be able to go and see my, my new and improved website that I'm super excited about that Whisker Cloud has been helping me with. So readyvetgo.co. And I'm pretty active on Instagram at readyvetgo underscore. And you can find me on LinkedIn, readyvetgo. You can email me, Danny, D-A-N-I at readyvetgo.co. I love it. And yeah, and I'll be sure just for everyone out there is listening, there will be notes on the Whisker Cloud site when this podcast goes live. So, you know, be sure to check out those and yeah, you know, reach out and, you know, check out the site, send her a message, you know, let her know what's going on. Yeah. Let her know what's going on. Yeah. I love to talk about people. If you can't tell, I, I love veterinary medicine. I'm very enthusiastic. I love to talk about mentorship how I can help. So please just reach out to me with with any questions. I love talking to veterinary students, new grads, practice owners. So I'm available. Love it. Well, thank you so much for making time for me like a day before the holidays, the the same morning where you're like traveling for the holidays. And if you do, if are, are you going to the Marshall store? Will you be having oysters? Oh, heck yes. That is on my agenda today. After we finish this, I'm going to be wrapping things up and heading out to Marin and getting oysters and probably a Bloody Mary to go with it. 
Oh man. Okay. Well, final thoughts. Number one, I, if you if you think of it, send me photos. You know, oh my gosh, you, you, I will. Yeah. And the second thing is tomorrow. Speaking of that, my wife and I for Christmas Eve, we're going to get a a pound and a half of clams, mussels, uh, cod, and yeah. like prawn shrimp. And we're going to try to make chipino for, oh. we're making chipino for Christmas Eve dinner with her parents. That is the plan. So I, you know, I'm glad you and I are both in this seafood world. I'm, I'm on a pescatarian diet, so I eat seafood like six days a week. So yeah, I will be thinking of your oysters, um, which sounds <laughs> weird, but I will be thinking, yeah, you know, <laughs> it sounds amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on. Everyone go check out readyvetgo.co. And if you're listening to this and you're not on the Whisker Cloud site, go to the website, go to podcasts, check out this episode. There's going to be links to follow Danny all over social media. And listen, if you're out there, like, share, subscribe, share these podcasts. And if there's someone out there that wants to be on the podcast, reach out. We'd love to have you on. So Danny, thank you so much. Everyone, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great holiday, even though you're going to be hearing this after the holiday, but everyone have a great day. This was so much fun. Thank you.